Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Salah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for you. Sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Salah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. May he add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. Thank you, Bonnie. Psalm 67, it's, it's one of those electric Bible passages, um, short, sweet, to the point, but life-changing in so many ways. Um, just to open us up, I, I was spending time with a friend uh, last week, and we got into a conversation, and it, was, it, it turned really beautiful because uh, we got talking about what this what this person's dream job would have been had they committed to it maybe 10 or 15 years earlier. Um, this person has a wonderful life. She's very committed to what she's doing, but she said, you know, if I had to do it all over again and had to pick a job to pursue with a little bit of risk, I think it would be this. And I was, what would it be? I'd love to know what, what, you, what you think your dream job would be. And she said, I would have loved to have been a, a tennis judge you know, the people that, like at Wimbledon, so Wimbledon's happening right now, the people that sit on these giant, like lifeguard-looking chairs in between the two sides, and they tell whether the ball is in or out. There's one person that does that, and their whole job is just to yell, out, or in. You know, that's, that's their job. And she said, I would love for that to be my job. And if you knew this person, you'd say, she probably would have been great at it. Um, she's just a decisive person who kind of commands authority. But she said, she said, you know what the first step is to becoming a tennis judge? Getting a test to make sure you have 20-20 vision. And I said, yeah, it's, it's pretty important, I guess. If your whole job is dependent on seeing a little lime green cylinder, making sure it doesn't touch a little white line, you better have pretty good vision. And so this morning is a, is a visionary Sunday for the church, right? It's a day for us to pray that our eyes could see God's plan with as much clarity as a tennis judge can see a little tiny green ball, making sure it's not hitting a little white line. So how do we, how do we be tested for God's vision? How do we have 2020 God vision? 2020 missionary vision, you could say. We're going to sing a song at the end of this sermon as a kind of a segue to the Lord's table called Be Thou My Vision, which is going to basically be a prayerful way of us saying, we want to have your vision, God. We want, we want you to show us your way in the world. Because if we see God's way in the world, God promises that our life will be good. It'll be the good life that he's promised, a life of flourishing. So for us to see God's vision requires us to have his eyes and to see what he sees. 
And for us to get his eyes, God has to open our eyes to what he wants us to see. And he does this tried and true way, the way God always does this, is through his scripture, through his word, by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Like a flashlight that pierces the darkness in the middle of a summer night, that's what the Holy Spirit does to these pages of scripture for us. He gives us the eyes to see, he opens our heart to understand what God's way is. And in some sense, that's what verses one and two of Psalm 67 begin with for us. It's David praying to God that God would show his way to us. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your way, God, might be seen and known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. That theme of people and nations is pretty important to understanding Missions Sunday or to understanding how God is the God of all people. And that's what we're focusing on this morning is God's love for people and his desire for the nations. And so what is God's desire for you and for me and for the whole world and for the whole cosmos? Parts that we can't even see yet because scientific understanding can't get to the edges of the universe. What is God's desire for it? What is God's vision for all things. Psalm 67 gives us two really beautiful answers. One of them is praise from all peoples, praise from all peoples. And the second one is gladness for all nations. So God's vision is, is in one thing, a something from us, and on the other hand, it's something for us. So let's look at them one at a time briefly this morning. Verses three and five show that praise is at the center of God's plan for the world. You know, we're, we're going through the Psalms this summer and we've called it um, a symphony of praise because from beginning to end, from Psalm one to Psalm 150, it's really all about praise. It's all about God's glory in the world through individuals and to nations. And verses three and five say, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And it's repeated again in verse five. Let the peoples praise you, God. God's vision for the world first includes something from us. In God's ideal plan for the world, it was something from us that he was seeing. And it was praise. And you may say, well, that's, that's an odd thing that God would create a world so that he receives something but God is the matchless creator of the world and all he's looking for is a response to his matchless beauty in, in creation. And so praise is the response of a faithful people to a worthy God. That's basically word for word what I said a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching on Psalm 150. You know, praise is the unforced response to an unmatched creator in unrestrained diversity from an undivided people. That's what I said with regards to Psalm 150. And so today, in some sense, this first point about praise is just a, a reiteration of that, that God designed the whole world to the praise of his glory, that the earth is a crescendo, a symphony of praise to himself. Why? Because he is worthy of it. 
because he is good, because he has given us all things in Christ Jesus. God created the world. He started this whole thing. He is powerful and majestic. He is saving and loving. He is so close to us, yet he is so other than us. He is holy and magnificent, distinct. God created all people so that they can know him, so that you can know him. And not just know him like, yeah, I know God, but actually have deep friendship with him, to have a saving relationship with him where we are so dependent upon him for breath and for food and for purpose and for life that everything makes sense through that relationship. That's what we were designed for, is to know God, to walk with him in the garden like Adam and Eve did. And even after brokenness came into the world, God runs after and pursues lost humanity because he is that desirous of a relationship with us. He is worthy of praise because he never gives up. He always runs after us. And he's made a way for the world. God is worthy of praise. He is alone worthy of praise. No one else is and nothing else is. God alone is a praiseworthy God. All of life then is designed for us to give him praise. And that requires us to, to see who he is. Because again, it has to be unforced. And so just as, just as a record player is kind of worthless if the little spindle needle is not touching it, that's kind of like humanity when it's out of touch with its design to be a praise mechanism. You know, if you think about a record player, they're really, they're beautiful music making devices. They're so beautiful that people gave up on them for 20 years and now they're coming back because people realized how much better they are than CD players or tape recorders or iPods. They just make quality, beautiful music. And so people still make vinyl discs because of this. And it plays beautiful music in response to the touch of the stylus needle. And so if, if the turntable is life or the world, we are the record on the turntable, each one a little bit unique, each one a little bit different, each one with its own diverse, unforced response and beauty, but it spins with no purpose unless it's touched by, by, the, by the stylus needle. But when it's touched by the, by the stylus needle, God, of course, being that in the metaphor, then beautiful music plays spontaneously, beautifully. And of course, vinyl records are pretty easy to scratch, right? So we've all had experiences where every, you put everything on, you put the stylus needle on there and it, it doesn't work because of the scratches. And we as humans, of course, are scratched people, broken people, and we can play on repeat if we're not fixed. And just to take the metaphor another layer down, that's where Jesus wipes us clean, makes us a whole new mechanism by his saving power. God's vision for the world is a world reverberating in a response of praise to his saving work, to making us clean so that we might make beautiful music to him because that's what we're designed to do. And again, the words here in verse three and five, let the peoples praise you, O God, Important word is the next line. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. 
all the peoples. These are just a sample of the people groups in the world. There are thousands of people groups in the world. There are millions of individual people, billions in fact, each one unique, each one designed to praise the living God. That's part of God's vision for the world. God desires to hear every diverse language, race, culture, worker, mother, father, child, uniquely praising him from their genuine heart. And this is why, you know, one Christian writer, John Piper, he wrote a book called Let the Nations Be Glad. And the first paragraph of the book says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Worship is the, mission, is the ultimate goal of the church. Missions exists because worship does not. If every person around the world praised God, then missions, Mission Sunday would not need to exist. But Mission Sunday exists because there are still far too many people around the world who have, their, the stylus needle has not yet touched their specific record, their specific life. And if that connection is made, then beautiful music comes. God's heart for the world is for praise from every person. And that gets us to the second point. The second vision of God for the world is something now that is for us. So if, if praise is from us to go to God, God also just graciously gives us something as well as part of his vision for the world. And this is what I've been excited to, to bring about all this week as I've been thinking about this text, I said, I just can't wait to tell the church this. God's vision for the world is for you to be glad in his presence. Glad, filled with joy. God's vision is for you to be glad and to be joy-filled to the brim, overflowing, so that you can't even explain how much joy you have. That's God's vision for the world. Let the nations be glad. That's, that's good news. God is not here to prove a point. God is not here to put you in a box. God made you to be glad and to be glad in him. God's vision for the world includes something for you. It's a gift of God, a feeling that is inexpressible gladness from a, a worthy God to a faithful people. You know, if you think of the word glad today, I just kind of thought this was funny. Um, there's two things that come to mind. And again, as a millennial, you Google things just to see what pops up when the word glad comes up. And if you, if you Google glad and then you click on the news tab um, or, like, or even like the shopping tab, like there's all these different tabs now, trash bags. Glad trash bags. Isn't that just ironic to you that they would name a trash bag company after Glad? I just think that's kind of funny. I, I think there's a bigger vision of God for the world than trash bags. And the other one that, you, that pops up is uh, the gay, lesbian, transgender, queer community, legal advocates and defenders. They're known as Glad. And so those are the two main uses of the word Glad today. Both are fine in their own right, and it's, it's fine. But when God says, let the nations be glad, he is referring to a soul satisfaction that is found in him that far surpasses legal rights, far surpasses trash bags,
but goes to the purpose of you and I, and it's to be glad, to be filled with joy. There's a global study done by Ipsos Global Advisor in August 2019 that did a study, a global study of what makes people happy around the world. They surveyed 28 countries, and happiness is most prevalent in the nations of Australia and Canada, with 86% of adults describing themselves as very or rather happy. Only a minority of individuals in some other countries say that they're happy. So it's interesting to kind of figure out why are some nations happy, why are some nations not? And really, it kind of boils it down to, it says, I'm gonna put the word only. Only two thirds of adults globally report being happy. 14% say very much so. 50% say rather so. And among the 29 potential sources of happiness, the one people surveyed around the world that most describes as a source of greatest happiness is their health and physical well-being, 55%. It's followed by their children, their relationship with their spouse or partner, feeling like their life has meaning and personal safety and security. Number 21 was my religious or spiritual well-being. It's interesting to think about what makes people glad, what makes people happy. God says, let the nations be glad. That's what David, that's what David is imploring of the Lord. Let the nations be glad. God's vision for the nations of the world is gladness. That word is used 156 times in the Old Testament. And it's a deep, God-given heart, soul, satisfaction in God. The word for nation here is is the word ethne in Greek, which really doesn't necessarily, the word nation here is not referring to boundaries defined by country status today. It's more so referring to ethno-linguistic people groups. You know, borders of countries change all the time. They're changing right now with the war in Russia and Ukraine. So it's not about individual nations being glad. This is about individual people groups being glad. There's about at least 13,000 of those types of people groups in the world today that are defined by their ethnic linguistic commonality. And that's why when the Great Commission says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is saying, go to all the peoples of the world and make disciples and baptize them and teach them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus taught. But the why behind the Great Commission, the why behind the task that we sang about earlier, is so that you would be glad that you would be filled with something that nothing else can give, filled with the joy that God gives by being connected to the creator who has a life for you of joy. Gladness is a gift for every corner of the world, from Arizona to Ankara, Zimbabwe to Zion National Park, the North Pole to the South Pole, islands to deserts, palaces to slums. True and everlasting soul gladness is God's supreme gift to the world. That's why Jesus came. That's 
why Jesus died on the cross. Yes, to save you from your sin. Yes, to put to death, death. Yes, so that you may live in heaven forever. Yes, so that you might have an eternal destiny that is secure. But don't forget, it's so that you might be glad. So you might be glad. This is 4th of July weekend, so I'll I'll close with this illustration. Um, I read an article this week online uh, asking the question, you know, what is the 4th of July and why do we celebrate it with fireworks? Um, So maybe some of you went to the Salem fireworks last night. We got scared away because we thought we were going to get rain, so we decided not to risk getting soaked and tricks on us, I guess. It didn't rain. But why do we celebrate the 4th of July with fireworks? And this article talks about the initial, the initial vision for the 4th of July as a country. So again, America was founded 1776. When did fireworks come into existence? And so the vision actually goes back to pretty early on. Beginning in that first year in 1776, the, the future second president, John Adams, imagined in a letter to his wife, Abigail, that a sparkling sky would honor the soon-to-be independent 13 colonies every year from that point forward. And, and he wrote on July 3rd, 1776, he said, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. And so he, he kind of writes about this, how it could be solemnized with pomp and parade, with games, with sports, with bells, with bonfires, illuminations, from one end of the continent to the other, from this time forward and going on forever. And so uh, the next year, Philadelphia had one of these uh, spontaneous pyrotechnic displays that would light up the sky. And in 1777, patriotic, this is what it says, patriotic revelry rocked the first organized 4th of July celebrations in Philadelphia with fireworks dramatically lighting up the sky. The evening closed with the ringing of bells, and at night there was a grand exhibition of fireworks, which began and and concluded with 13 rockets on the town commons, and the city was beautifully illuminated. And this is the line that got me. Everything was conducted with the greatest order and decorum, and the face of joy and gladness was universal. So on this 4th of July weekend, when we light up the sky with fireworks in the hopes of having joy and gladness universal across our land, that was the vision of fireworks. May we look to a deeper joy and gladness that God is is choosing to light you up with, you could say, which is let the nations be glad. Let all the peoples praise him. That is the true and better firework display, you could say. What is the chief end of man? One early catechism says the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God's vision for the world is that everywhere, everyone would give him praise and receive gladness in their soul. So as we approach the Lord's table, as we long for that together, may we, may we find what our soul is longing for in Christ alone. Let me pray for us as we prepare to approach the table.
Heavenly Father, we pray today that you would light up our soul with a desire for the gladness that you offer us in your name. That we would find that for ourselves again today, that that, that flickering flame would come, come up again in us, and that our lives would be lived uh, in gladness, not for ourselves only, but to share that gladness with the world so that smiles and joy on every face, true and lasting smiles and joy would be existing for all peoples. That is your vision for the world. We wanna see that. We wanna be part of that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.